Rise up, for men of God have done with lesser. Rise up, for men of God have done with lesser things. Give heart and mind and soul and strength and serve the King of Kings. Lift high the cross of Christ. Tread where His feet have trod. Patriarchy after the sandwich. Hey, uh, Joseph. Hey, Mr. Paterno. I'm going to ignore that. <clears throat> so, uh, what do you call a poor Santa Claus? A poor Santa Claus? Yeah. I don't know. Oh, come on, man. That was an easy one. St. Nicholas. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I thought for sure you'd get that one. Uh, yeah, I, I don't I do not do Santa Claus, man. It's pagan. That's true. That's true. I hear St. Nicholas is pagan. Yeah, all of it. It's all pagan. And and popist. And, po- and papist. Popist. <laughs> popist. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> that was funnier than I guess I meant to be. All right. So, hey, Mr. Paterno. I'm going to ignore that. Well, hey, Tony. Sure. <laughs> What's up? Hey, man, I got this uh, advent calendar. Okay. It, it's a chocolate. It's a thank you. Popist. <laughs> it's Pope, a uh, it's a chocolate advent calendar. So every day you eat a piece of chocolate till you get to Christmas. What so. kind of chocolate? I don't know. It's it just, I guess it's like Hershey's maybe. So it's chocolate. I'm, oh, Anyways, it's looking like dark. According, dark milk yeah, chocolate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm asking too many questions. You're asking too many questions, man. I'm trying to get to the point. Okay, all right. So like I said, you eat a little piece of chocolate every day until you get closer to Christmas. All right, cool. So according to my calendar, Christmas should come in about two days. <laughs> That's way more than a... Way more than I would have had. We would have been in the negatives at this point. I would have eaten the box. <laughs> it's already came. Already came. It's New Year's now. <laughs> that would have been a good ending. Oh, well, where do you learn to make a banana split? Since we're talking about uh, desserts. We're talking about desserts. I don't know. It's chocolate, man. I don't know. Well, unless you eat that as a main course, I, that's a dessert for me. Go ahead. Where do you make a banana split? Where do you learn to make it? In Sunday school. Nice. There you go. There you go. Speaking of Sunday school. (laughs) Okay. Uh, uh, I have a new Christmas song for the Reformed. Oh, okay. This should be good. Yeah, you know, it it may be for, like, you know, the bearded Reformed guys. It's It's, they'll like it. It's the new kind of, they're playing it all over the radio now. Somehow I don't think they're going to like it. Yeah. It's the most wonderful time for a beer. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. That was, I, was, I was expecting something more triggering, but although I'm sure somebody will write in about well, that. Well, you could probably be triggered by my uh, singing there. I'm just 
learned to tune it out. But it's one of those songs you can sing all the time, all the year long. It's the most <laughs> wonderful time for a beer. You don't have to be at Christmas time. <laughs> sure. Oh, goodness. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully not too much, but yeah. Uh, I, oh, boy. Uh, you know what? It's, I'm, I'm going to need one if I'm going to listen to your singing anymore. Yep. Just auto-tune it in post-editing. Oh, okay. Well, folks, actually, this is going to be an interesting after the sandwich because technically... It, you're, you're, you're listening to this. You're not just a Fight Laugh Feast member, or, or some of you are, and some of you are not, because uh, because of scheduling and because of us being out of town, we're going to release this free to everybody the same day we release it to our members. Oh, I thought this was because of Christmas. This is like our Christmas gift. This is our uh, sure. We'll go with that. Um, uh, that's that too, because I'm not going to edit out what I just said, which is the real reason. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I mean. I, you know, we could give more than one gift, right? Yeah. We could do that. We could give more than one gift. All right. So this is one. Yeah. This is one gift. Okay. This is one of the several gifts of Hanukkah. No, I'm kidding. Um, oh, oh, I triggered somebody too. Anyway, uh, if you have not ever listened to After the Sandwich, this is our other show. This is our off-format show where we talk about life, everything, and nothing at all. And usually, we just pick a topic and we kind of just talk about it off the cuff. So. Normally, it's available to members only at fightlaughfeast.com. Sign up to become a member of the code Patriarchy. It goes to support us and support the show, and it gets you access to all of the episodes of this show. But this one's for free because we're not Scrooges, and we also missed a week. So Merry Christmas, sorry, and uh, here you go. Sign up to become a member. Anyway, what are we talking about today? Because this one's your subject. Yeah, man. Um, We're talking about girding up your loins. Okay. Which loins? Uh, pork loins. Pork loins. Okay. No, 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 you had a you had a you had a particular metaphorical loins in in mind. Oh, I do actually <laughs> Did it, have. Yes. Get it? Get it? <laughs> yeah. In mind. Sorry. Yeah. All right. Actually, so First uh, Peter chapter one verse thirteen says, "Therefore, prepare your minds for action." Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Actually, if you look at like the King James Version, which more accurately translates, not more accurately, more literally translates the, the Greek, uh, it says, guard up the loins of your mind. And so we, we you know, I guess some Christians know what gird up your loins mean. But a lot of, we don't really talk that way. You know, you don't, you're not out with your friends and say, hey, you better gird up your loins, man. <laughs> <laughs> if you do, you may not have friends for long. <laughs> uh, don't be that guy. Uh, don't be that guy. Actually, uh, you know, girding up your loins, it's from where they wore robes. You know, they had the long flowing tunics and I don't know how, somehow they kept men and women differently. They had, you know, a man in particular doesn't wear what belongs to a woman and a woman doesn't belong to a man, but they still had long flowing robes, which makes sense in the, in the scheme of things. And, uh, you know, it's gives you lots of breathing room, but the problem with that is it's not easy to run. Gives you lots of breathing. No, it is not easy to run. And so girding up your loins is when it's actually putting yourself into the position to be ready for battle mm-hmm. and to run. So it's picking up the front of your robe and put it in your belt. 
we were we, I was watching this uh, documentary on on gels, and they actually did like it's on I can't remember what it's on A and E or something. It's on uh, television. It's on Netflix. And the first two seasons they did of the gel in the town that I live, and so they sent people undercover, and so we're watching that because in particular this is the gel that I live in, the town that I live in. I don't live in the jail, but the town. <laughs> Anyways, uh, one of the things I found interesting, and maybe ever, or other people knew this, is they, they issue you some flip-flops mm-hmm. when you get into jail. And most people, most of the time you're in jail, you're wearing flip-flops. Uh, I, I heard from a friend uh, who had kind of a, a past that God rescued him from that after you got out of jail, some people wear their flip flops as like a sign of like, you know, this is the, I'm 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 street man, I'm hood. I've been I've been in jail and I'm not afraid to go back. There's a deal. whole lot of ex prisoners at the local Walmart near me. Then, <laughs> <laughs> well, they're a certain color, anyways. So they have these flip flops, but if they are going to get into a fight, they put on their tennis shoes because you obviously don't want to. Th- get in a fight with flip-flops on right you get your foot stomped on and all that crap right yeah no good so if you ever see somebody in jail and you're in jail and somebody's putting on their tennis shoes you know they're about to throw down they're about to fight bring that back up to girding up the loins of your mind the whole thing of girding up your loins is like putting on your tennis shoes you're ready you're ready to fight you're ready to throw down uh the call then from the apostle peter is that in light of our salvation, in light of of God's call for us, and even the fact that the prophets prophesied of Jesus, the apostles taught of him, and even the angels long to look at it, in light of that, we're to be prepared for battle. And in particular, our, the battle of our mind. You know, uh, 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 I think... I don't know why I'm thinking of this, but there's like this clip online of Mr. Rogers talking about the garden of your mind. And <laughs> and there's a little okay. song. It's like the garden of your mind, which there's truth to it. Our minds are places of creativity. They're, that's where the battle goes, man. Uh, you think of the Apostle Paul talking about our, our weapons are not carnal. And there's many of the weapons, but much of them have to do with our mind, tearing down strongholds, philosophies, and all these things. So that's what I kind of wanted to talk about is how do we gird up our minds? What do we do about that? And then I thought, Tony, after we kind of maybe talk about that a little bit, um, there's a guy named Stephen B. Clark who has a book called Man, Man, Manhood and Womanhood in Christ. And excellent. Excellent. Everybody should stop what they're doing right now after we're finished with this episode (laughs) and go buy that book. Um, And it's 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 excellent. But in there in a section on um, he talks about modern philosophies and he's got five principles that we kind of have adopted wholesale and. Uh, wants to push back on it. So I thought it'd be good to go through what are those five principles and maybe we can talk about how those influence us. But first, Tony, how do you gird up the loins of your mind? Maybe just start with that. What's uh, what's some thoughts on that? Hmm. Well, I think recently 
I think recently he's trying to, um, I don't know what the right word for it is, but uh, declutter. Declutter my mind, I guess is a way to put it. Just, uh, I don't know. You know, there's so many useless distractions that we have. You know, there, I mean, you know, there, there's things that are useful at times, like social media, but there's also things, a bunch of social media stuff that's just a distraction. Um, useless arguments at times. Um, sometimes they're useful. I'm not, I'm not saying it's all unuseful, but or non-useful or useless. Useless, that's the word. <clears throat> um, but, you know, just other things, even, um, you know, we don't, like, for instance, we don't have uh, cable. We actually have never had cable the entire time we've been married. Um, but, you know, we do have, like, Amazon Prime um, and, I don't know, YouTube or something. We have a Roku, one of those things you connect your TV. But just limiting things like, you know, do you, do you really need to watch, you know, binge watch some show? Do you really need to watch something every day or every night? Or, you know, should you just save it for a special occasion? Like on Saturday nights, we'll have like a, usually have like a family movie night thing, you know. And that just makes it, you work throughout the week until you get to that, you know, at the end of the week. And then you, you have your, you know, fun. But that's been something for me that's been useful to, as I'm, doing other things i'm sure that we'll get into um preparing your mind for battle but i think that's helpful because uh man if you just got a bunch of useless distractions and you're tiring your mind out with all of this useless arguments or useless uh content um you know like on tv or, or whatever youtube or something like that um you don't have any strength left for the real fight um you, you just you just you know waste yourself away at that and your mind away at it. And then actually there's studies. I, I wish I uh, would have brought something up, but I, I was reading something the other day that there's studies actually being done about how uh, the social media smartphone generation, like this generation, a lot of the kids growing up now, there's like this inability uh, to concentrate on something for a long period of time now. Like we're so used to just disposable content and going from going from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next, that there's uh, almost like an epidemic uh, going on right now of people, especially kids, but but adults too, that just have an inability to concentrate on something long term. So anyway, that's part of how I, I, I do that. But yeah, I really like what you you've said here because it even carries through the whole idea of the girding up your loins or you know putting on your tennis shoes. The whole idea you're clearing out. In a sense, clutter, you're clearing out something that would encumber you, keep you from being able to mm -hmm. to do battle. And you're right. I think, you know, we live in a time with probably more resources to information. You know, well, you got more information at the touch of your finger than anybody in the history of the world. Right. You can pull up any fact about anything. You know, you want to know what's the how much can a African swallow carry? You can type that in and find that out, right? That's an interesting one. <laughs> okay. And and um, but I don't know that that is transferred over into us actually having hmm. sharper minds, more intelligent minds. I mean. Um, I definitely, when I read modern writing and then I go read books from people who did not even have access to, you know, a third or a quarter of what we have, 
you, those people still had sharper minds, write in a better way, and are are better geared for the battles. So declutter, that's a a, a good one. Another one I, I was thinking of is is maybe it's the unassumed thing here is that we need to recognize that Christianity is not anti-intellectual. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. like in probably in the 1900s, uh, early 1900s, you have this split between the modernist and the fundamentals. And I think those who are latching on fundamentals of the faith um, and later on, some overreacted to the fact that places like Harvard and Princeton and Yale, places of that started off as basically Calvinist educational facilities, eventually adopted unbiblical principles and allowed um, place of pride and arrogance in education, lead them down a path of liberalism and just foolishness. And so I think there was a reaction to that. And as Christians, we have to recognize that the Bible and teaches us, it commands us to love the Lord our God with all of our minds. And so intellectual laziness is not something that a Christian ought to be a part of. Do you think any of that came from, well, not came from, but there seems to be a trend, especially right now. I think we've, I don't know if we talked about it on air, but we've talked about it. Um, you know, well, no, we did. We, I think we had an episode on it where you were talking about um, what it means to reform uh, rather than destroy and, you know, deconstruction, all, different things like that. Um, and it, it's harder to reform than it is to just abandon. And I, I think yeah, it's funny because before this episode, we're, we're talking about your... your <laughs> your online arguments with the uh, the people that hate Christmas, um, and but there's there's some of that where it's just like, well, if it if if at any point it was touched by anything that you know it, or or changed in any way, you can't go anywhere near it. You just have to abandon it. And I think it seems like that's in a way kind of what happened. Like you were talking about with some of the uh, intellectual you know things that happened. Like you know you had Harvard, you know, goes kind of well not kind of really liberal. Um, woke before woke was a thing, maybe. Um, and then so people, instead of saying, well, that part has gone the wrong way, but intellectual, you know, intellectualism, uh, thinking through things, logic, all of that is not bad just because they went the wrong way with it. Um, but I think that's what you're saying. You correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah, exactly what I'm saying. You know, um, there are times when you have to tear it down. You mm-hmm. just got to destroy it, right? Like it's an idol, whatever, something's an idol. You get rid of it. But there are things that are good that you don't have to destroy, whether you chop out and you carve out the wicked part and you keep what is good and reform. And so um, that's the kind of thing that can happen is an abandonment of the mind. Now... I think there's many reasons for that uh, one we just pointed to. But Christians can't be anti-intellectual. Now, on the flip side, Christianity is not just cerebral. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
right? It is not, I mean, in fact, some of the people think that they're actually intellectual, that they've actually girded up the loins of their mind, and all they did was fill it with some knowledge, but they became puffed up with pride. Yeah, yes. Right? Knowledge puffs up, the Bible says. You know, the Apostle Paul in writing 1 Corinthians said, you know, I didn't come speaking wisdom uh, or or, or uh, with much words and language and speech. And so well, people will point to that. We'll see. There you go. It's not about <laughs> being heavily intellectual. But then he goes on to say, oh, but we do speak wisdom to those who are mature. It's just not the wisdom of this world. It's not the wisdom of those who think they are wise and are puffed up. Right. Rather, it's actually true wisdom, the wisdom of God, which is far above every intellectual thing you can pursue. The God of the universe has all knowledge. And so following his wisdom is the sound thing to do. But that that's not that it's not using your mind. That requires hard work. And it requires knowing your your Bible and and also knowing other things that go along with helping you understand your Bible, knowing how language works and, and history and thinking through theology. All these are good things. And, and even uh, natural, uh, I want to say natural sciences and, and other things that, that you learn kind of separate from the Bible, they're part of God's revelation. They're important. Uh, Jonathan Edwards was a guy often considered the greatest American theologian. And I don't, I don't know who would come in second to him. Mm, that's a good question. Maybe Cotton Mathers or one of the cotton, one of the cottons, <laughs> John Cotton or something. One of the cottons. In, co- increase Cotton, uh, increase Mathers, I mean. Not one of the cottons. One of the Mathers. Increase Mathers or Cotton Mathers, maybe one of those. But that's still a long time ago. Um, greatest theologian in America... And he did research, uh, very a lot of scientific research, and some of it in insects, which is still used today in some courses on on the insects that he studied. And so he put his mind to work, diligent work. So very important to do for us to develop our minds. And I think decluttering it is important. Decluttering it from things that don't matter and feeding it with things that do. So, well, how about we now move on then to speaking of decluttering, how also part of, I think, girding up the loins of your mind is being on guard against vain philosophies of this world and principles of this world that would uh, seek to take us captive. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think we live with like people will adopt an ethical system, for example, and just because it's popular or maybe the majority of modern Christians do it, and so why don't they do it? Or, you know, it fits in with what the world thinks, and so sometimes people even adopt these principles we're about to talk about because they think the Bible teaches them, mm-hmm. and so they're mistaken about that. Or, sadly, they think it's actually uh, uh, better than what the Bible has to say. So let me lay these principles out for us. We'll do them right. one at a time. All right. First principle, the principle of equality. And so this uh, principle states that all individuals should be treated identically. 
And it, it primarily comes from socialism, uh, but it makes its way from other ideological systems as well. And so uh, Clark says sometimes the principle of equality is phrased as an attack on anything that would make one person be regarded as inferior to another. And so the principle middle, uh, uh, militates against social roles that we would ascribe toward age or sex or against personal subordination. So, you know, obviously this is principle number one in our day, equality. Yeah, yeah. So what is the biblical principle of equality? So if, is there a distinction there? Is there a biblical principle of equality? So what, why don't we give out the, actually, let me look it up. This might be an interesting thing. Let me look this up first before I respond to that. Let's see. I want to see what, uh, let's see what we're talking about. You have information at the tip of your fingers. There you go. I'm actually going to use it though. Um, <laughs> I'm just trying. I'm going to look up a uh, definition. Um, see what uh, like Merriam-Webster or something like that says. Although it'd be interesting to see what the old uh, Webster says too. Yeah. So it's basically, the idea that individuals should be treated identically, like right, like uh, uh, every individual is equal and should be treated identically. That's you. No person could should be regarded as inferior to another person. Social roles or class or or age or even sex don't matter. Everybody is created equal. Right. The uh, I'm not getting a really good definition of some of the uh, dictionaries. Shocker. Um, anyway, well, okay. Let's just go back to what we we're talking about there because it's just this is just says things like the quality or state of being equal. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure what that means. That's a terrible definition. You know, that's what we think. Like, so we think the principle is the principle. All people are created equal. You know, that's from the Bible. As it is modernly understood, is that a biblical principle? Maybe we ought to ask that question, first of all. As it's modernly understood. Hmm. How, how, what... What do you what do you think the modern understanding? Because again, that's a terrible definition. That's what I'm telling you about. Like it's, uh, everybody should be treated the same, right? Nobody should be treated differently based upon age, sex, race, or or uh, gotcha, class, anything like that. There's there no one is inferior to another person. There is no subordination of one person to another. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, in that's, one sense, there's almost no difference. Sure, well, that, differences. I'm, yeah, I mean, that's clearly not biblical. Um, I was trying to think of. I was trying to think of what are you saying? If it was more just the general notion, or what the? Uh, well, I guess to be to be honest, I guess the general notion is sort of what the the liberal church has adopted anyway. So I guess my question on that doesn't really matter. Um, I was just going to see if there's if there's any kind of distinction that was being made. Uh, between just the general worldly notion and uh, what the um, liberal church is saying. But I think at this point it is one and the same. Wouldn't you agree? Probably is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think we could say there's a biblical principle of equal care, maybe, or equal... Worth. I mean, there's... Well, there's value before the Lord. Yeah, yeah. 
and and that way we are, and we're all created in the image of God. But all of that's compatible with the fact that there's social roles, there's personal authority, that some people are are as far as maybe even functionally uh, um, in fear than than others. Uh, there's certainly inferior cultures and superior cultures. There's inferior nations, superior nations there. And there's also a subordination of people without it being um, necessarily a, a destruction of what you said, that, that equal worth and worth, value. Yeah. Yeah, that you can have. You yep. can still have different positions, different roles, uh, and some higher than others. Without saying that this person is, as a human being, worth more than the other one. Um, yeah, but, I think know, we, we, we go ahead. Well, I was just say our, our culture. I, I man, it's it's it is crazy how how bad we've gotten with that. Um, that just any any notion of any kind of a different role. Uh, especially one that's subordinate to another one is, is just automatically that has to be done away with, um, which is kind of funny when you come to think of it because aren't they saying that that, that idea that they have or the position that they have that they're saying, well, that needs to be done away with now. I mean, that's sort of a higher role, I guess, they're trying to take. But um, yeah, yeah, it's... Uh, we're at a point where it is, it is, is not even... Uh, I think for there's a while there it was a little bit muddied the waters, but I think at a point now we're, we're such a clear uh, section in between um, that it, it's pretty easy I think to look. Uh... He's laughing. I have no idea what he's laughing at. <laughs> what are you laughing at? Nobody can see you, so what are you laughing at? Oh, nothing, man. All right. So <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> This is what happens when you do a not non scripted show. <laughs> okay. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> All right. Well, no, I was, I was, I was thinking I was laughing because it's hard to even get our minds around. I it think, is. What you're saying. Like it, how yeah. how much it has infiltrated everything. It is. So egalitarianism, yeah. if you want to put it that way, is in, infiltrated everything and and we all are are affected by it even those who you know were of the patriarchy and so uh, what i was kind of laughing at was you were having a hard time putting that all into words and and making it clear and so i was kind of laughing at that but because we've adopted it in so many ways and so we're almost like what are you saying we're not born equal we're not i mean and even just that notion is like there's something un-American about it, and mm -hmm. it makes you feel kind of dirty to say that. But what does the Bible teach? Well, the Bible teaches God gives different talents and skills, and you know uh, the you, the parable of the talents. Some were given ten, some given five, some given one. All have a responsibility to God based upon what He's given them to take care of it. But they're not all equal there, and. Um, furthermore, God has ordered society with uh, the fact that some people have more, some people have less, some people have are smarter, more intelligent. So we're talking of our, of our mind. Some people are just more naturally gifted that way. Others 
you know, more gifted in sports. And it's become this thing where you're even thinking in in these kind of functions is you're either sexist, racist, you know, what's the song? I was just the, thinking of that song. The, the misogynist. Yeah, misogynist, whatever that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but what's the Bible, what's true? And what does the Bible say? And, you know, even to say something like a stereotype thing in our day is, is bad. But we all know that they're true. I mean, there is a reason why at the Olympics... When you have the track and field, when they're running, they're doing the running, that the people that win that and are the majority of people are black. God has gifted them. That's a great gift, uh, uh, generally, and they're superior in athletic function. White men can't jump. There's a there's a truth to that, Is right? It, there's that wasn't the title of a movie in the '90s or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm dating myself. But these are true things. So mm-hmm. we, we we reject them because our society's built up this thing. It doesn't mean that everybody it, no, but that people are less than and should be treated with disrespect. But it, it doesn't it does mean that this principle that everybody's treated the exact same no matter what and there's no differences. Well, we're not, not even allowed to, we're not even allowed to celebrate it anymore. Like you were, you were saying, I mean, like, why, why can't we, you know, it's like you're saying that, that like, it's the diversity, Olymp- yeah, like but the, we're all the same. Right. But it's like, yeah, like, why can't we be like, that's really cool that you can run faster, you know, or that's really cool that you're better at this or that than, than I am, or that you're smarter at this or that, I don't know, all different things. I, I, yeah, I, mean, I you know, we should, I, I think, well, I don't know, maybe, I don't know, I don't know if it's maybe some kind of. Some some way to cover up jealousy, I, you know. I don't know if that's it. If like if you know people are and they just want to cover it up so that you can't talk about it or something. I I have no idea where it, it again. It goes back to the just well, trying I to think figure out where it, does it come it, from. I mean, it comes from the fact that then you can easily become a pride of place, and then and then you can mistreat others. And so yeah, obviously we don't want to mistreat people, treat them uh, other than what God's word says. But if we can't say, for example, that in America, wholesale, the Asians are pretty smarter than everybody else. I mean, they're the ones, and then black people are more athletic. And and, and on and on, there's, I mean, there's other things that, if we can't say these things, then we're not speaking truth. So, yeah, I mean, we have white people to thank for pumpkin spice lattes, so, yeah. <laughs> great, man. Thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> Thanks. That's certain. Certainly inferior. No, I, I like I, I, I like pumpkin spice. So. Oh, I don't. I don't. Nah, but nah. I don't know if I like pumpkin spice lattes. I, I just like pumpkin. I can't, I can't do pumpkin it. pie. Anyway, so. I was just making the joke all right. About. Next principle Sorry. before we <laughs> go down that path. Yeah. All right. So the next one is the principle of freedom. Freedom, right? What's wrong with the principle of freedom? Well. Here's what our notion of freedom is, and let's think through whether this is biblical. Each individual should guide his or her own life and make his own decisions independent from the thoughts or interference of all others. All forms of social control are morally wrong and are oppressive. Any personal subordination is evil and degrading. 
The highest good is in the greatest degree of personal autonomy and freedom to do what one desires, especially sexually. So no one can tell me what to do. Biblical or not? No. Um, but doesn't that entire notion come with the fact that it's saying it's a superior <laughs> it's a superior worldview than somebody else who doesn't agree with it? I mean, it's like it's like the you know Oh the, oh yeah, yeah. They're denying so the first principle about equality is then yeah. undermined by them saying Yeah, yeah it's but, it undermined the entire thing. Yeah. I'm not saying that this is cohesive or <laughs> I'm just saying that's what I get uh, from it. <laughs> coherent. Like, that's dumb. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, that has, but so that's the yeah, that principle not. is the thing today. Right? Oh, absolutely. And yeah. It's the uh, he calls it the liberal principle of freedom and by liberal we think liberal, we think um uh, crazy cat woman. What's her name? Um AOC. Uh whatever her name is. You know what I'm talking about? What's yeah. her name? Alexandra uh Cortez or mm -hmm. whatever. Or we think Nancy Pelosi, or we yeah. think Joe Biden. Yeah, I was going to name a bunch of them. President Biden. Resident. But liberalism kind of predates all of that. It's pretty much all the American thing. It's classical liber liberalism. And so when you get conservatives and liberals in our day, they're, they're all liberals. Because they all kind of hold mm -hmm. to this principle of freedom that the highest form of, or the highest good is the greatest degree of personal autonomy. I mean, this is libertarianism to a T, right? We were talking, I was talking the other day with, uh, there's a town near us and there's some guys that were like uh, looking at, keep, they want to keep the town small, but the town council has started like bringing in into the place a bunch of fast food restaurants and gas stations. And they're just bringing in corporations that don't add much to the community. Mm. And so the, these young guys are trying to push back on that. And and so somebody's response was, well, we can't pick and choose. We just got the, you know, people have to have the freedom of what we're doing. And, you know, that's the libertarian thing, right? As long as the civil government doesn't d control it, then you got freedom. And we've said this before, is it just as good to, to pass up, uh, 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 you know, what is it? Let me, how do I say this? Am I free if it's not Joe Biden, but it's Jeff Bezos that's controlling everything? Right. Yeah. All right. If, am I free when the government then paves the way it doesn't protect local places because they open up borders and allow everybody to come here and do whatever they want. Like, is there a real freedom in that? Yeah. And, and, and furthermore, is the highest good the greatest D of personal autonomy? Is that really the highest good? And so um, I think we have to compare this principle of libertarian or just liberal freedom with what the biblical principle of freedom is. It's so, funny you said that the highest good... Um, Something I've been, especially my boys lately, who've been getting into little bits spats with each other and stuff. Um, you know, over I don't know dumb stuff. You know, brotherly things where this person picked up the wrong Lego or looked at me or breathed or something. But I, I remember sitting down with one of my sons the other day and talking to him, and I remember originally saying to him, starting to say to him, 
you know, you have to think about how this makes the other person feel. And then I'm like, eh, no, that's not the right thing. And then I thought, what, what, how should he treat his brother? And I said, well, you should, when you're, when you're going to do something, you should think about uh, what's the best thing for this person. And I said, mm-hmm. so for instance, I said, you know, and I told him, I said, buddy, I almost actually told you how, how, you know, you have to think about how it's going to make him feel, whether it's going to be make him mad or, or happy. And I go, but that's actually not your first, I go, not that you should just do something to make somebody mad. I go, but wh-, I go, here, here's an example, son. I said, so, you know, your little, his littlest brother, who's two, I said, so, you know, your, your little brother, he comes in and he's got, uh, you guys, I don't know, you came back from getting Halloween candy. I'm sure we triggered somebody with that too. Yes, we do Halloween candy. Um, and you, you have a whole bucket of Halloween candy and your little brother says, well, I want, I want uh, the whole bucket. I want to eat the whole bucket. I go, well, you know, if you were worried about how this would make him feel, I go, if you told him no, I go, do you think he'd be upset? And he goes, yeah. And I go, but if you told him yes and you gave him the whole bucket, do you think that that would be good? And he said, no. And I said, so that's what I meant by trying to think about what's best for him. Um, And I gave him a few other examples and things like that too. But it's just interesting you said that because I was thinking about that, about how, as I was saying it to him, about how it's just probably just a bunch of other parents raising their kids to just, you just do what makes you happy. You know, you, you don't worry about other people. You, you do you, you know, that whole phrase or whatever. And I, that's absolutely destroying people's lives and the country because you just make yourself a God unto yourself. Yeah. 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 Um, what you're trying to teach is the principle of doing what's best for another person. And then the standard of that obviously is the law of God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so the biblical prince that goes right along with the biblical principle of freedom. Yeah. So there actually is a biblical principle of equality, which we brought, we mentioned and a principle principle of freedom which is we have liberty be the sons and daughters of God. And so we have freedom from all that opposes that status, which is the world, the flesh, the devil, sin. It's basically the freedom to obey God and therefore something like loyalty, duty, submission, authority, communal commitments. They're not hindrances to liberty, but are aids to liberty. Mm-hmm. And so rather than no one can tell me what to do, Christian liberty is God gets to tell me what to do, and I get to obey God. And, um, you know, when it comes to, I've seen this principle of liberty be such a high, the, 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 the unbiblical principle would be such a high deal, that when you when somebody might say something like, then this will trigger people, that we ought to, that civil government has a duty to punish public idolatry and the proclamation of idolatry. Well, people will push back on that because of the principle of liberty and say, well, you know, are you saying that people don't have the liberty to do whatever the heck they want when it comes to idolatry? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I'm saying, yeah, no, they yeah. don't. The Bible says there's a greater good mm-hmm. and civil magistrates punish. They punish what is, uh, uh, what is evil. Mm-hmm. And, and so, all right, well, let's move on to the next principle. All right. Since we just triggered people. And this goes with what you were actually just saying anyways. <laughs> okay. The next principle is the principle of developing full potential or achieving self-fulfillment. Mm. 
So this is the individualistic principle. It's closely related to the principle of freedom, which says that self-fulfillment and full potential uh, are the ideals. And so uh, there's little social cohesion. So every individual needs to watch out for himself, right? And so it emphasizes individual gifts, abilities, rather than personal relationships. Yep. Uh, it's the, uh, I got to do what's best for me thing. We were watching, believe it or not, one of my favorite movies or favorite movie series, Rocky. We were watching Rocky four and he did this recently. He just put out this new, um, et, uh, uh, director's cut. Hmm. I didn't know that. Of, of it. Yeah. Took out a lot of the cheesiness and stuff, but he left in this line where Rocky's like, Sometimes you just got to do what you think's best for you, no matter what everybody else says. And, or, or but I don't even know if it's what's best. I think he just said, sometimes you got to do what you want to do, even when other people don't say it. And he was saying that in the line of mm -hmm. his wife didn't want him to go fight because she was worried for him. And so I'm going to do what I want to do, even if you don't care, if, mm -hmm. even if it bothers other people. Obviously, there's some truth to the fact that we sometimes have to do what's best for us. Right. But that best for us being the principle of God's law. Yeah. Regardless of what other people say. But not in the sense of, oh, you just got to achieve self-fulfillment. Well, that's what everybody teaches. Well, not everybody, but I mean, majority of people teach their kids is, um, you know, when I, 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 I mean, and, and it, this has been probably for generations now, but there's just always that, you know, you've got to get straight A's, you got to go to the best college, then you get to get the best job. And then, you, you know, you have to keep working your way up the ladder. And so you got the best house and the 1.5 kids and a dog or, you know, whatever. And actually at this point, probably the kids aren't even part of the picture anymore, but you know, how many people, you know, are, are teaching their kids, you know, you should be looking for, you know, a good person to marry. You should, you know, want to have a family and raise your children to know the Lord and, uh, be a good part of your church and serve your fellow Christians and be a valuable member of your society, you know, and, and you can, obviously I'm not saying if you go out and be successful, that's inherently evil. I'm not saying that, but if that's your highest achievement in life, oh, that's, that's actually, I would argue the highest failure at that. Yeah. Point. Well, I mean, a lot of divorces are this, right? So, oh, yeah. you know, we, we still, we're still friends and we still love each other. But I really got to do what's best for me. Yeah. All right. Isn't that like what was that? Was the uh, Adele and that the, what she said recently about her divorce? Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. I think like I read an article she, about that. Yeah. She hopes her son will one day realize that she had to sacrifice his. I don't know what what she. I can't remember exactly what she said. She was sacrificing yeah. of him, basically saying she was sacrificing her kid for her her own desires but she hopes he'll understand that one day well, at least he's still alive because a lot of women do actually oh. sacrifice their kids yeah for their career yeah and uh and i mean and and to be completely fair uh there are men that absolutely sacrifice their families for their career too i mean there are men that work so much and so many hours never see their wife and kids uh you know other than effectively they're divorced because it's like they affect I mean, there's one guy I was talking to he was like yeah I really only see my kids on the weekend like 
are you still married? <laughs> you know, because that sounds like <laughs> that sounds like a settlement thing. Yeah, like you get weekend visitations with your family by choice. Like that's messed up. Um, but yeah, no, there, I, I, there are men. Yeah. Well, I was just gonna say there are there are men that do it too, but it, there is a difference in some of the motivations. I think, but yeah. Now, there since earlier we said there is a biblical principle of equality and a biblical principle of freedom. There's not really a biblical principle of self fulfillment. <laughs> there, there. Yeah. Uh, we're actually designed. God created us more for communal mm-hmm. lifestyle, living with care for each other. But there is, I guess, the closer you can get is that we do seek a reward, right? Uh, C.S. Lewis, in his uh, um, "The Weight of Glory," wrote an uh, essay, and the point of it is, it's not that self. Uh, um, what do you mean? Self-denial is not the goal. Self-denial is the perp is the the means to a goal, which the goal is actual real joy. And so we do look for the reward, but it comes at not self-fulfillment, but laying down one's life for mm-hmm. for others. And there and I think most people that have worked hard at being a good husband or a good father know that there are struggles in that but then you know there are times after even just i take it back a step even just uh you go outside and you you do a hard day's work for something for your family or something like that you know and sometimes it may not be fun in the moment while you're doing it but i don't know there's times i remember i've come in from doing things whatever it might be outside or something or preparing our property for the winter i mean that was recent um you know it's a lot of hard work and there's things you'd much rather be doing but then you sit down at the end of the day you know, and you're kissing your kids goodnight, you know, and, and uh, getting ready for bed and, you know, climbing into bed with your wife. And there is a sense of fulfillment in that, but it's because it wasn't all about you. And, yep. and, and as a Christian, that that should be that. That should be the way. That should be, this is the way. Sorry, the Mandalorian. Um, but that should be what it is. It should be, you should be able to do that and to sit down and actually feel that I am fulfilling the purpose that God made me for, and that's why this feels good. Not because I just did all of this crazy hedonism stuff for myself, but because I did this for somebody else. Yeah, God has designed the world the way of the cross for us, so that, like, the irony is that the one who wants to gain his life has to lose it, and the one who lose, keep the gains his life will lose it. But it's like this... You strive and you strive for yourself, your own pleasures, and you're never satisfied. You're never there. But there actually is some fulfillment in living. It, for, wasn't it for wasn't it John Piper that called it Christian hedonism? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. That term. So basically just to a, it, the opposite of what the world says, which is to enjoy, um, enjoy God and enjoy what God made you for. Yeah. Yep. Well, okay, one more principle or so, two more, actually. We'll go quicker. Uh, The next one is is right along with this. It's the principle of authenticity. And so it states that each individual should express his or her true feelings and preferences at all times so that one's authentic personality might develop and be seen. Closely related to the principle of authenticity is the notion that each person should express his or her unique personality and gifts as fully as possible. And so the ideals of authenticity and uniqueness lead to a dislike 
for the type of social structure taught in Scripture. To accept a role which does not fit one's feeling or preferences would be inauthentic. So, you know, um, I have a, you know, I've known somebody, a, a, a woman who is like complaining that, you know, she doesn't feel like being a mother and it doesn't feel authentic to her. And so how can she follow God's, God just didn't make her with a submissive attitude. And so it's not authentic to her to follow these things. You've got to be authentic. We, I, I, I was part of a group once and, and, and their, their, their um, purpose statement had about being authentic. And it was kind of like every line had a line. We will authentically do this and authentic. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm starting to think like, somebody that does that that says they're there that talks about being authentic all the time you know what they're not authentic <laughs> <laughs> yeah but even that that's not a biblical principle yeah right we have individual differences but the scripture doesn't find that to be the highest ideal simply because you can still all be authentic and have unique expression and still be completely wicked. I was like, you'd be a complete authentic wretch. Like, yes. and, and most of the time when you're being really authentic, that's usually what you are. <laughs> yeah, I think the thing with authenticity or whatever, every time people use that word, what they mean is feelings. Like, it's, it's all about how this makes me feel, and you shouldn't tell me something that makes me feel different, and I should be able to do whatever feels good. And again, it goes, actually it goes back to some of our other principles we were talking about, which was freedom or it, things like that. Yeah, they're, yeah. All, they're all interrelated yeah, here, but this is kind of like the, I just got to be me, man. I, I can't be anybody else. It's like, it's like but, this... nobody, but nobody likes you, man. <laughs> like, there's a reason. <laughs> well, this is the whole, like, I'm married, I've got four children, but I found me, and the authentic me is a gay man that leaves his family and goes lives with another man. Oh, it's like or, that, that or one I'm, guy. I should wear a dress and be authentically me. Well, it's like that one guy. Remember that one? I, this is a couple of years back. That guy that uh, self-identified as like a six-year-old girl and got adopted by that old couple with a little girl. The dude was married with kids. And decided one day he was going to be a little girl or whatever, and then this crazy couple adopted him and made him this little girl's sister. And it's it's a whole, it's a mess. It's even worse than that. I'm not going to describe it, but but yeah, it's like, and that's somehow good. Like now you've got you left your wife and kids, and actually some of this. I don't know. Maybe this is another road to go down. We don't have to go down it, but I was. It's made me think for a second of the whole revoice thing about this is how I feel and yeah. I'm oh just yeah, not, yeah, yeah. It's the whole thing, sexual yeah. orientation stuff. The whole yeah. transgender, all of it is the principle of authenticity. So if I'm not allowed to be what I consider to be authentic, then you're oppressive. You're 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 squashing who I am. And I mean, it, we also, it's the whole thing. Everybody wants to be unique. Like, you know, I'm so uniquely me that I look so unique. I'm, I have chopped my hair off as a woman uniquely and dyed it pink, very uniquely pink with, with a, with a thousand put, other women <laughs> with piercings all over my face. You're so unique that I'm, thousands so of other unique. women have done that. Yeah. 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 But it's the authentic. It's really authentic. <laughs> 
It's yeah. genuine, authentic. It just goes back to what you were saying before. It's so hard to describe it because it's so ridiculous. Like it's, yeah. and I guess, especially as a Christian, if if you, I, that's what makes me nuts about the authenticity thing. When I hear churches or Christian organizations, whatever you want to call it, use that, I kind of just like. Do you actually look at yourself in the mirror in the morning and like really look at you? Like, like you know, the heart is deceitful above all else. I mean, like, how? I, I don't know. I just, you know, I know the man I would be apart from Christ, and I don't want to be authentic to that man. Like, I don't. <laughs> I guess, to be fair, when people put that in their bylaws, like churches and stuff, what they're trying to get at is we're not hypocrites. We're not putting on a fake veneer we're 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 trying to be genuine about who we really are but still I we mean, are sinners redeemed by christ how about that like yeah 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 uh all right well, let's move I'm getting on really the, the, i'm getting really animated sorry you're being very authentic here <laughs> about getting, this. yeah this is my authentic me <laughs> so all right the next principle is you may have never heard it termed this way but once I explain it, it'll explain. It. It's the principle of being a full person. What? A full person. And so it kind of comes in two common formulations. Okay. The first, the first formulation, and for example, it rejects personal subordination as a sign of immaturity or incompetence. So in the social structure that we live in, the main forms of personal subordination kind of hinge upon some deficiency in the subordinate, right? Like his youth or he's has a disability or something like that. But after children grow into adulthood, they're expected to make their own decisions and form their own opinions. So to treat an adult as subordinate in anything oh, is okay. to treat them as deficient. Okay. I got Thus, you. A full person is someone who's free from personal subordination and 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 social control. So the simplest way to describe it is, I'm an adult, man. I do what I want. <laughs> I'm an adult. You're not treating me like an adult. You've, you've, you've seen somebody do that, right? You're not treating me like an Who adult, mom. I'm in your basement. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I'm an adult. I mean, it's like, are you really? I don't yeah. know if there's any adults that go around saying that. <laughs> like, generally, if you have to say it, there's... <laughs> It's not, not true. <laughs> now, yeah. the second formulation of being a full person states that each human being should be considered primarily as persons, that is, as unique individual centers of intentionality. And so to treat someone in terms of a social or a functional role is to treat that individual as an object rather than a person. For example, to treat a woman in a particular way simply as a woman is a treater as a thing. Oh, okay. I see. So I see. For this, to even okay. call, hey, say, hey, woman. Somehow that's become an insult. Make me a sandwich, woman. Yeah, that's gotten us in trouble. Right, it's a wo yeah. woman. That's an insult. What? Right. Jesus called his mother woman. Woman. I know. Right, and and it wasn't an insult. The Bible doesn't give a rip about this idea of a full person. <laughs> Instead, oftentimes one's status is more exalted when they are considered as a son, a daughter, a husband, a father, a mother, mm, yeah. and in some functional thing, or, or not functional, some kind of um, role, social role. And so uh, 
the idea that you're not a full person if like you're identified as a mother. You're only a full person when you're separate from that. And that's this is the whole kind of mentality of like I've I've heard mothers especially mothers do this, but I think fathers probably do this sometimes even um midlife crisis kind of thinking is like I'm just losing who I am. I'm losing myself. Right? I'm I, I'm I'm better mother and a wife and I feel like I'm just losing in who I am. How are you what are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, I know. Like I feel like the longer that I'm married, the longer I'm a father, I'm finding more of who I am. Not that my entire identity is in that, but I'm just saying it in serving other people and and leading them and loving them, like, yeah, I feel yeah, that's that's I yeah, I never the whole midlife crisis thing. I don't know, it's not something I quite understand, but you know what? This reminds me. There's a situation. Um, this is years back. Ironically, at a Christian school, um, I was I would I was just talking about my wife in casual conversation, and I was saying my wife like verbatim, mm-hmm. and this this one woman, lady, ma'am, sorry, whatever, full full person, <laughs> um, yeah. said, you know, your wife has a name, and I just went huh and she goes your wife has a name you know you just keep saying my wife she has a name and i went yeah i know but i call her my wife and yeah, she, you're 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 treating her less than right no, no but but i life. said but it's funny because there was a couple other ladies around too it's primary i mean you know schools primarily lady teachers and um but i said to this one particular um woman i said well yeah but i but i i call her my wife it's not a term of disrespect. And she said, well, but she has a name that would be respectful to call her by her name. And I went, I find it more respectful to call her by her title because she's my wife. And I hold that in very high regard, but she's my wife and I'm her husband. She calls me her husband too. And I take no offense at that. In fact, I take pride in that, that that's my role in her life. And that is funny because some of the other ladies smiled, you know, and but this lady just did get it. And it was like this absolute highest offense to call my wife my wife, and but that's yeah that, because that's, where it comes that's from. the that's this principle. And yeah. so to be associated with any kind of role or anything like this, or any kind of group thinking, is then to be completely somehow made less than or diminished. And so you're not considered a full person that way. You're you're treating her as an object by saying your wife, whereas if you said her name you would actually be giving her respect as a unique individual person apart from her her relationship to you. I wanted to ask that lady if her children call her by her first name because I just feel like that's the kind of parenting that was going on. Probably there. her first and, and maiden name. Maybe, yeah, she's married. right. And she's probably a, a Ms. instead of a Mrs. or whatever. Yeah. You ever got in trouble for so that you, one? That, that's another one, Miss. Or Ms. And then uh, using that, I've gotten in trouble for saying. I don't. That. I don't use Ms. I don't use Ms. But I mean, I had somebody tell me it's Ms. And I'm like, I'm okay. Um, and then the other thing I was thinking of too is, uh, although this was a learning experience for my kids, is I, I walked ahead and opened a door for just I don't know who she was, just some woman walking into a store, and she went off on me about opening the door for her and said that she is fully uh, capable of opening the door for herself. And, I'm an adult. I'm yeah, a I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a woman. I'm an adult. 
Um, <laughs> sounds like Polly, the transparent's coming out there. Um, but yeah, she went off, and because I had said, uh, let me get it for you, ma'am. And I don't know if it was the door, the ma'am, both combined. I have no idea what triggered her, but she went off. And then, you know, finally went on her way. But, you know, my kids asked me why she got so mad. And, you know, although I will, this is, you'll laugh. I will say this is funny and then we'll move on. Uh, my daughter was with me and one of my boys was with me. And my boys, my boy was the one who said, well, I don't understand why she got so mad, Dad. You were just being nice. And uh, before, I, before I could say anything, my daughter just goes, feminism. <laughs> and I was like, she's not wrong, son. <laughs> like, Anyway, yeah, I didn't know that it was called being a full person. I don't, I don't, I got the, that that from uh, 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 this the the author. What did I say his name was from the um, book. Oh, from the book you were talking about. Yeah. Oh, okay. And uh, Clark Stephen Clark. Okay. And he wrote this book. Interesting enough, in like the '60s or '70s, it's still so so useful for today because i mean this is like what we he was foretelling what was going to be of today i highly highly recommend it one of the things that you get from all these five principles that we're so ate up in i mean it's why feminism and all the things are going on is they all have one thing in mind And, and 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 that is there is a grasping of selfish grasping Whereas the Bible says, you know, uh, don't look out for yourself, but look out for the ways of others. And even saying that is not uh, a contradiction with the fact of authority, uh, uh, of all the different ways that God created us. Right? Those who have been given authority or are in superior positions, maybe because of, 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 uh, their skills or talents or just the places that God have placed them, they they should use their position for the benefit of others. Mm-hmm. Rather than like this individualistic, I've got to get everything myself. God created us for communal living, for to give ourselves away. This is what we're designed to do. And that comes whether you have authority or not, it, 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 all the different ways. God created us for social life together, and uh, I I just don't see how if we embrace these other ideas that we can actually live according to what God has intended. And bringing it back to First Peter, how if we're not girded and our minds aren't prepared, how we can be taken away from into these kinds of things because they are everywhere. I mean. There's not a Disney movie <laughs> today that doesn't have to do with one of these things. Yes, probably all, all five. I was going to say, or all of them combined. Yeah, I. Oh, yeah. So there, and so you have to have your mind girded up, and and we could have gone on for like ever listing yeah. all the contradictions to God's word, all the principles and philosophies. You know, sometimes they start off in ivory towers, and then before you know, they're on TV shirts. I mean, on, on uh, TV shirts. Did I say it may have a word? <laughs> T-shirt. I don't know. Maybe there's a TV on a shirt. There's a TV shirt. There's a TV shirt. It's like a video screen on your shirt. Uh, yeah. That's an idea. Confessionalware.com. Go buy our shirts. Sorry. <laughs> Shameless plug. You advertise on them. No, um, T-shirts. So they start off like a college professor somewhere. 
ideologies, some philosopher, and they make their way down to a t-shirt. So, you know, it, it comes down to be yourself, but you back it all up and it's been put in some kind of language that is very sophisticated. You're talking about the, the, the jealousy stuff and whatever too. And I was bringing it back around to your, your first thing with girding up your loins, like in your mind. And we were talking about the decluttering and, you know, I've found that the less stuff I have, um, a couple things, the more I appreciate the stuff or things that God has given me, um, or just what I have. I mean, there, there's there's prayers, you know, sometimes before a meal at night, I'll pray and thank God, you know, thank you for what you've given us and what you haven't. And, uh, you know, we were talking about on our Thanksgiving episode of similar-ish about, you know, there's a being thankful and then also a sense of mourning, and that makes you more thankful. And I think there's a sense of thanking God for not giving me everything um, because it makes me thankful for what I have. And, uh, and sometimes that's, you know, I'm obviously that's easier said than done at times and it takes practice and I'm not perfect at it. Um, but I, I've, the, the less clutter I've had in my mind, in my life, the less stuff I have, uh, the less I pay attention to all of the media stuff or the advertisements or the newest, whatever that's come out, you know, the iPhone 32 or whatever. Um, I find the happier or not even happier, I guess sometimes happier, but more content I am. And, and just even, I, I'll take the kids out sometimes and, you know, we'll, we'll go for a hike or we'll go out in the back of the woods or whatever, you know, we'll go out in nature. And, and, uh, again, if anybody's listened to our show for a while, they know that I, I, I'm on this tree thing. I'm not a tree hugger, but I really like trees. Um, but just things like just being able to appreciate, God, you made this cool tree. Thank you. Thank you for making this tree. And thank you for making me to appreciate this tree. I love this. I love this, that you've made this. I love your creation. And this happy little tree. This happy, yeah, this happy little tree. Um, you know, like things like that, I, I find like there's just so much more contentment in that than, you know, way more contentment in that than buying the new whatever, you know, whatever phone, whatever TV or something like that. And I'm not saying, obviously, you can't buy nice things. Um, but I think that you know, limit your things and limit the distractions you have and just take a moment. I, I am constantly in the morning before I leave for work. I sit in my truck at like 5.50 a.m. in the morning before I leave to get on the, on the road. And I pray for my family, but I also pray that God will help me to just slow down today because I, I have a habit of just going full tilt, full speed, you know, the whole time. And that's, number one, it's not good for you health-wise. But... I just appreciate things more if I'm not just rushing to get to the next thing or something like that. If I just take a moment here or there to just appreciate it's a beautiful day out or thank you for this beautiful tree or thank you that my wife texts me this nice message telling me that she loves me or, you know, or flip through and view a few pictures of your kids on your phone, you know, and, and thank God for giving you beautiful kids that love you and run you know, run to you when you get home and hug you. And my kids do that. And I, I just, I find those kind of, and then that, that circles back around what we're talking about, girding up your mind for a fight. I mean, you got something to fight for. I mean, you, you really do, you know, and, and they're the right things to fight for. And you're not distracted by all this other nonsense and trash that's out there. And, and uh, you're focused. 
I mean, that, I think that's what it boils down to, too, is how do you, how do you get yourself focused on the fight? And a lot. I mean, I, yeah, again, we could go on and talk about this forever, but we've already been going for like an hour. But um, anyway, I talked there for a bit. So do you have anything to add before we uh, wrap it up? Or what do you think? No, I, I think we've hit it. I just think uh, we need to, and, and myself included, take what you've said, what we've said here today, apply it, right? It's not enough to yep. be a hearer of the word. No, we need to be doers of the word. Uh, gird up our minds, be prepared, be thinking, and be prepared to fight off the lies of the world, temptations of the devil. And then la maybe the last thing I want to say then is, it says, "Fix your hope firmly on the uh, fix your hope firmly on the grace that's yours at the revelation of Christ." Right, as you are decluttering, you're actually doing it so you have a purpose. There's a hope that's the grace that's ours that will be revealed with Christ. There's a fixation that we ought to have our minds on of the grace that's ours, and so nothing. No vain philosophies should distract us and keep us from that grace that will be revealed at the coming of Christ. Amen. Well, folks, that's our episode for this week. Uh, like I was saying before, uh, hopefully those of you that are not yet a member have enjoyed this. Um, this, is, uh, this is a little bit longer for an after the sandwich, but this is kind of what to expect from our other show. We'll just pick a topic and kind of kind of go on about it, and hopefully it's helpful to you. Um, if you want to hear more of this and you want to support our show, go to fightlifefeast.com and click to sign up to become a member. Please use the code PATRIARCHY when you do if you want to support us, and then you'll get access to all the other stuff behind uh, the paywall too, but also the show. So again, that's fightlifefeast.com, and use the code PATRIARCHY when you go to sign up. Uh, if you want to support us in other ways, go to confessionalware.com, click on podcast collaborations, and you can find some of our shirts and coffee mugs. And uh, we are actually collaborating with a coffee company here in a bit. So uh, stay tuned for that. And we'll put out something where you can help support us and uh, support a cool coffee company and some other brothers who make some wonderful, what do you call it, Joseph? Bitter bitter bean water. Joseph's not a coffee fan, but I am. Um, he likes his uh, brown Kool-Aid, otherwise known as sweet tea. Maybe we'll, maybe, maybe we'll partner with a sweet tea company, Joseph. What do you think about that? That'd be good. That'd be great. Yeah, that'd be sweet. That'd be sweet. Oh, man. Got to get it in before the end. All right, folks. Well, hopefully you've enjoyed this episode. Uh, leave a comment down below or uh, shoot us an email at contact at patriarchypodcast.com. Uh, and we'd love to get back to you. But until next time, make me a sandwich.